Welcome, everyone, to another episode of After Further Review. Mark Ferrer, John Pelkey, Jeff Taylor on the board, and as our producer as well. Jeff, do you know what number episode this is by any chance? Is it 85? Are we up to 85? 84. 84. That's one number less than George Kittle. Wow. That would have been perfect. That would have been perfect (laughs) if this was episode 85. But it's not. It's episode 84. Uh, It's Wednesday, November 4th. Uh, again, it's, I don't know, you know, like a fourth quarter football game, basically a tie score. We have no idea who's going to end up winning this thing. So we'll talk about that a little bit later with some fun scenarios that I'm going to compare it to. I think everyone will get a kick out of it and, uh, everyone won't be upset about anything, uh, because it is as razor, as razor gets. All right, so, All right, so here we are. It's it it week eight's in the books essentially. We're yeah. we're at the halfway point. We're going to get into that a little bit later. We're going to talk about midseason surprises. We're kind of two quarter poles in, Mark. We're two quarter poles <laughs> we in. Are. We it's are. We're at the halfway point. You want to reevaluate your Super Bowl pick? Do you remember what? Do you remember what your Super Bowl pick was, Jeff? <clears throat> what? Super Bowl year pick? <laughs> no, do you see this is a very special insight in yeah. how much Jeff what? actually listens to us? Yeah, why would um, he? You caught me. You yeah. caught me in a weird place there. I, I got a I got a, a message on my phone. I had to look at, and uh, so enough. I just said, I do you remember your? Was? Do you remember what your Super Bowl matchup was? No, I have no idea. I'll have to look at the tape. I can't yeah, well, imagine it was anywhere near correct. We'll have to look. I know I picked Dallas to go far. I don't think I made them. I don't think I had them go to the Super Bowl, but it was either Tampa Bay or Seattle for me. So that's still on the right track. And I think it was Baltimore uh, in the in the AFC or possibly. I think I might have been. I think I might have been with you on the. uh, I I think I I was either New Orleans or Seattle um, on the NFC side, and I think I might have been with you on the Baltimore thing as well. I I can't remember. I know I'm still in. And hey, your Cowboy pick. It, you're still in it. That's true. Really? Like, I, you're like a half game out of the division lead. It's true. So true. I mean, they could get in the playoffs. And if they get in the playoffs, Mark, and they win a game, then I'm going to say your prediction came true. Honestly, I'm going to say your prediction came true. And 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 wouldn't that be typical of this yes, year? Yes, of course it would. Of course. My and you know what? Gosh. I would be. I'd be 100% for it. Sure. It you're, make, you're behind the Cowboys now suddenly. Uh, it would make Jerry Jones think that he was on the right track, which I don't think he is. So as long as he's confused and doing the wrong thing, then, you know, life's better for so many of us. But for a lot of people, <laughs> certainly outside of the of Dallas NFL metro people. area. And uh, the America's team thing has been shrinking since the late 70s. So I don't think uh, it, it goes that much further beyond the Dallas metropolitan area. All right. So it's uh, it, it, a wacky, wacky week. The 49ers, as we get to the, the halfway point, and we will discuss the halfway point. We'll discuss some college football, uh, not only previewing this weekend a bit, but also talking about an issue that John and I have brought up many, 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 for many, many years about some sort of fair compensation for these folks when their uh, their image is being copied, their identity <laughs> Were you able to read? Were you able to read that article that I I skimmed it? I just skimmed it, but it's Um, it it makes so many great points. Yeah, and it really great. And Jeff, you should. I'll send it uh, along to you too, and I'll we'll I'll I'll put the link on our site because it breaks down the athletes to like Olympic 
amateur athletes, cough, cough, uh, uh, college All-Americans, players in revenue sports, players in non-revenue sports, and basically just breaks down what their revenue stream could be, doing everything from, you know, uh, wearing somebody's shoes or something of that nature, to doing commercials, to social media things, which, by the way, I, you know, I know I'm old and everything. I don't understand any of this. But holy hell, the amount of money people can make on their like YouTube channel if they have like 100,000 followers, which really, it sounds like a lot, uh, but, it, but it really isn't even that many when you're talking about somebody who plays in a Division One college yeah, football or exactly. basketball program. seems like it would be very easy to get that many. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a really, really interesting story. And I certainly hope we come up with some way to compensate uh, these, these kids more. And it seems as we're going to. And the, and the reality of it is, is that if you can look at something that is uh, that is a large group of people who have that ability to make that money in a short period of time and the prospect of them actually being able to make large amounts of money after that short period of time are very small. That's where it really gets me. I mean, some of these guys are huge stars yeah. in college. They don't pan out in the NFL, and they end up right. on the red line. So there's I think absolutely no, there's no doubt about that. And there's the, the great quote I always use: "It Bill Wyman, former bass player for the Rolling Stones, who recently turned how old, Mark? Uh, 107. 107 years old. So Bill Wyman, just, I'm eating at his place, sticky fingers. Just, just yesterday." Nothing. Nothing but pudding and gruel because Bill doesn't have any teeth anymore. Um, but uh, he said somebody he was interviewing him and said, you know, gosh, when you're when you're in the music business, you have to make it as fast as you can. And Bill Wyman said, that's actually not really what it is. It's make it fast while you can, because to your point, Jeff, that's it. You know, you can go if you are, you know, I'll use Tim Tebow. He, now, he was a cultural icon, but the amount of success that he had in college versus what he had in the NFL his greater revenue stream probably would have been as a college football player, frankly. So uh, let, let's just let's keep our fingers crossed that we're able to do. You know, I I would never, ever um, lower the bar on my believing the NCAA will do the wrong thing if it can. Uh, but uh, I think we're moving towards giving these guys uh, an opportunity. I'd like just, to see that. Yeah. And I, just before I I know I've stolen all this time, Mark, and I apologize. I'd like to see that. And I would also like them to see see them extend scholarships for players who uh, maybe their career doesn't work out and they can come back to school and uh, finish up their degree with an extra year or two. I just don't think that costs the universities very much. right? And now. eliminate the year long waiver that they have to wait if they want to transfer. You know, if they're the third string in Alabama, and ne there's no hope at all in playing and sort right. of every other school would start them. I just don't think that's fair at this. Well, point I think you basically I think it's just an outdated, archaic rule. And I, based, I think basically what you do is you just tell coaches, all right, we'll keep this rule, but it's also the same rule for you. If you're fired, then. Do you, you know, yeah, I can, done. I can play devil's advocate on that one particular uh, argument, because what if the, the starting quarterback for Boise state looks like a great prospect his freshman year, he comes in, he throws for a ton of yards and then, does he get to transfer to Alabama and become their starting quarterback? I mean, if he's if he's good enough, if he could beat out the the starting quarterback in Alabama, which I doubt he could. See, that's the thing, Jeff. In in the real world, if he's the starter at Boise and he and he couldn't get to Alabama, they couldn't recruit him, or he wasn't good enough, then they probably don't want him. But conversely, if the, there's a third stringer on Alabama that could go to Boise, he should be allowed to do that. I understand your point, and I think it would open a Pandora's box. But to John's point, 
Let can we just be equitable between coaches and players, please? <laughs> coaches get to earn this, and that's the other thing too. It's like you don't even have this. Doesn't even have to be an argument about paying college football players a stipend. I, you know, you even know, though that's I, obvious. I can advocate against this too. The difference between a coach and a college athlete, for the most part, is that a coach has paid his dues, getting to that level, and gets paid. And that's how that works with a college athlete. They're in the beginning of their journey. So I think it's a big difference. I mean, when, when you're when you're like a Nick Saban, he went a long way to get that job at Alabama or even the job at LSU where he has earned that job with a track record. Whereas you're bringing these kids into these college programs and they they are they're just as likely to not succeed as they are to succeed. Well, I also think that uh, I don't think age or how many years you do something should matter in terms of what your salary is. I really don't. It's like you, you look at the, you know, look at the Rolling Stones. Let's bring up the Rolling Stones again. They were 20 years old and they're making millions of dollars because their market value is no. millions of dollars. I agree. I agree with you on the on the how much they get paid thing. But I think you were arguing for whether or not a coach should have to wait out a year before he goes to a new school if he gets fired, which well, I think. The, I mean, because they have experience, does that does that somehow insulate them from a ridiculous rule? You know what I mean? I don't understand why that shouldn't apply across the board. I get why you're saying obviously experience matters and experience is important. And these people have, you know, earned their place. They certainly earned their place, Jeff. I'm not sure they've earned their salary. You know, yeah. I'm not sure these guys have earned to be the, the top paying. You won't uh, get an argument out of me. Person <laughs> in, in the state, you know, in terms of the taxpayer funded, you know, salaries. Uh, but I, you know, it, it's, it's a very good thing. And I think there's one thing about the stipend and there's another thing about something that they've literally earned, John. And that's your point. They've earned this. They've earned their rights money for, for using their likeness. They've earned their rights money for whatever they do outside entrepreneurially on YouTube or whatever it is that that's something they've done. You know, you could. It's argue. almost like and I know this isn't a perfect analogy, but it's almost like, you know, the, the coaches uh, are uh, managers on a floor where you have people who are selling um, on commission and then the managers get the commission pay. It's like, the, you know, they're they're getting all the credit for the sales. And really, it's the athletes that they're out there performing. And I think I don't care how good of a coach you are. You've got to get good athletes. Obviously. Uh, and I don't really advocate making the coaches sit out the year. I just don't think anybody should have to sit. Right. Out I mean, that's I agree with that. That's I think there really are, Jeff's Jeff's uh, scenario is one that might prove troubling. But I think, again, I think there are so far few guys who couldn't make it at really too many universities uh, who then or who had had a lot of success at a smaller university then transferring right away and that translating to one of the one of the larger schools. I just think I think that would be it wouldn't happen too often. I Especially just think now when right. we've talked about the blue, uh, the rich getting richer, it is if do you think Alabama would miss on any blue chip, you know, athletes no. that somehow got to Boise State? Yeah. I, I understand. The bummer is, though, that a blue chip athlete is literally a kid who you are bringing out of high school to your program. You have no idea where he is mentally. You have no idea what he's going to experience when he first gets to school. So you're taking a flyer on these kids that have great athletic ability, but you don't know the other things where now, you well, know, but they have they're three deep, though, in Alabama. And if they right. missed on the first two, there's yeah, they've know, still got you know, blue blue chippers. Yeah, it, you're right. I mean, but you look at a, like a Jalen Hurts who was at 
Alabama and went to Ohio State. So you're right. He but he went from big to big. I just think like when you think of a guy like Dante Culpepper, you think as a junior, he would have still been playing at UCF if he could have transferred to Florida or Florida State. Well, I think at that point in time, though, he had established and a lot of guys like that. See, I, I think the thing that kind of mitigates that a little bit is that even these small schools now end up on television so much and you have so much exposure that, uh, you know, I don't know that a guy like that who'd had all the success, success at UCF would want to take a chance of going to a bigger program. And to Mark's point, you know, n- as good as you have looked on the field, you're now there with a bunch of bunch of five star recruits as well. And if they have a guy who is uh, younger and you're equal that they recruited, they're probably going. That guy's going to start. I mean, it's imperfect any way you look at it. Um, it I is, just, but I just it's, it's where you air. You know what I mean? It's where yeah. you air. Like Jalen Hurts wouldn't have a chance to be a Heisman Trophy candidate if he if if. If he wasn't able to do that, and luckily he, you know, had enough eligibility left or whatever it is to to have the kind unique. of t- that was pretty unique with Oklahoma having that that spot opened up for him. That that you know that that's um, it, 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 again, it probably would happen, but I just don't think it's the sort of thing that would happen a lot. I think to the point you'd get more guys who were sophomores and juniors who were getting a handful of plays. Um, and knew that they could go somewhere else and probably get on the field more. I think it's going to help more of the guys who aren't the top echelon guys. I think it's going to help everybody, you know, above the walk on to the, you know, the spot player or the um, uh, whatever you want to call it. Somebody who, again, is just getting a handful of plays a game. And anything to benefit the the athletes at this point. I'm so, so another thing too is uh, is there a difference in pay depending on where you're playing? Like, does a guy from Boise State get paid the same as a guy that's playing at Florida? Well, it depends State? on what he's getting paid. It depends on what he's getting paid because this isn't really pay that's coming from the university. This is like advertising pay, and this is uh, sponsorship pay. Yeah, so I think the argument would be if a kid's at Alabama, yeah, he's going to get more money from Nike or whomever. Uh, and there would probably be there are some rules because teams have to wear certain uniforms. So there there would be rules mitigating it. I'll send you the thing, Jeff. You'll you'll love the, the story. It really covers all of that. The rich will definitely get richer under those circumstances. They, they already do, though. And yeah. I don't. And, and I think what it does and, is and, I think and it some of that should trickle down to the to the kids. That's all. You know, some, I, some I think of it'll that spread it out a little bit. The funny thing is that Mark is making this coaching argument where I don't. I think maybe right now there is such a major difference in coaching ability with these guys that the reason why we see these same schools over and over again is because they have great coaches. Yeah. I mean, you take Ohio state, that guy was killing it at Florida. Now he's killing it at Ohio state. Nick he's Saban. Gone now, huh? Urban Meyer's gone now. He, he, oh, right. He, he retired right. a couple of years ago. But. Yeah. 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 Who's coaching Ohio state now, Matt. Um, what's his name? Um, I can never LeBlanc. remember. His name. He's yeah, it is. It is friends actor, Matt LeBlanc. Uh, it, How you doing? He was, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but I agree with that. I mean, I think I in your I, pocket, I think, right, Jeff? You yeah. know, and and guys who are having the, the Saban like success, I mean, they're generally going to stay there unless they test the NFL waters, certainly, and maybe they come back to another school, which is obviously what Saban did, going from LSU uh, to Alabama. But I really think that if a guy wants to go, if you want to go coach USC, because I think we would all agree that that is a that is a an attractive job in many ways that really, though, needs to find the right guy. There has to be the right fit. I think that's true with a lot of schools. Um, if you are the head coach at Colorado State and you want to take that USC job and you're still under contract, 
okay, you can take it, but you you have to sit out of here. If they so so if they if they do this and now these kids are making money off of their their names at these schools, uh-huh. USC, UCLA, and NYU become the best football programs. I don't think they, NYU has a team, but USC and UCLA would certainly if, benefit from it. If you could start to make money off of off of those players' names, I bet you some school Columbia. Do, I bet you Columbia, Columbia would start winning the Ivy League finally. Yeah, that's right. They'd start winning so, the Ivy League. But I think Jeff's point is very, very valid. It, we've talked about that. We looked at Alabama's record before Nick Saban. They had won one, one uh, national championship since Bear Bryant, mm-hmm. and that was in 1992. Uh, look at look at U.S. To your point, John, look at Southern California's record when they don't have a great coach there. They're, they have every possible resource that you need, including yeah. the weather and yeah. the co-eds, you know, to, to – you know, to borrow a 1970s parlance. Uh, but if you don't have the right coach, and so, not every yeah, coach to, to your point, from- Jeff, the, the coaches who have earned their keep deserve it. The ones who have taken a, a rich program that hasn't been rich for perhaps decades and turned it into what it, I mean, Nick Saban's made Alabama, John, arguably better than Bear Bryant era, I would say. Yeah, more consistent. Yeah. more consistent. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think I think the thing is, too, in college football is it requires, you know, again, it has to be the right fit, because if you're the head coach at at Texas or one of the Florida schools or somewhere in California, you probably don't have to be quite as great a recruiter as you do if you're at Alabama. Now, he's created something in Alabama that makes it different. But I mean, there are certainly areas where the X's and O's are at the top of the list of things you have to be able to do well. And then there are other schools where the recruiting is probably on an equal par. So, it, you know, it's finding the right fit in college football more. So I think I think the programs, even the big successful programs, there's more difference between what you deal with there as a head coach than you would say as a head coach in the NFL. I think there's more sameness to that, in my mind, anyway. All right, with that all said... 17 minutes worth of an open, quote-unquote. Ah, whatever. Who cares? It doesn't matter because really it's just, has just not talking about NFL. The love that it needs to. No, it hasn't. No, the I agree. starting this weekend. It's, it's, it's firing it up. And by the way, I want to thank Nana who says my hair looks great. I know about that. She's a uh, – see? See? Like, let it loose, Johnny. Let it loose. I actually got a little bit of a trim. and I are on a text thread with Nana, and, and we both decided that she had to say one thing nice about you every show. Just so Fair enough. Know. All right, good. Well, all I need. So Jan, Jan Miller Ferreira has has your your number, your personal cell phone number. Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, you didn't notice we got rid of John in the after further review text back and forth, and it's now Nana. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm I'm completely good with that. He doesn't pay attention to that text thread anyway. So I know, I know it. I know it's just coming to you that when we were talking about how something nice had to be said about John from that other number in the text thread, that you thought it was probably John that had to say something nice about John. Didn't seem that unusual. That won't happen. At any rate, it's it's uh, your hair look your hair looks good, John. It's uh, had a little bit of a trim. Had a little bit of what finally went and had a little bit. Said I want to keep the long hair, but it, it was it was getting a little unruly. So this is this is where it is right now. Nice. We're in uncharted territory here. Like in many right. things, we're in uncharted like, territory. Yeah, my hair. No one, no one knows. Longest it's ever happen. been. Fifty-six like years old. Longest my hair has ever been. I like so it. We'll see where it goes. We'll see where it yeah. goes. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Parent, you know, women as a rule, you know, need to need to keep their hair shorter and shorter as they age, and perhaps, you know, perhaps you can grow it a little bit fuller and fuller. It's Whatever. it's the rock and rollers who have the big hair, yeah. and then when they're sixty, 
doesn't really try play to keep the big hair as, yeah. as well. But uh, but but your yours is different because your hair definitely looms large. In in like, legend. In legend. Right, let's go to progressive trivia. First set of clues. We're looking for an NFL player. Mom's very happy about my uh, San Francisco 49er coffee cup. All right. Which is about the only thing we can celebrate these days. There's waves still over 500, for God's sake. No, we're actually at 500. But yeah, they. Well, whatever. They've they've cobbled together a 500 start in the first half, and now they've got six out of eight teams who are above 500 who would be in the playoffs right now coming up the second half. So it's okay. It's okay. Half the team is on IR. All right. And half the stars are on IR as well. Played for 12 plus years, career numbers 800 plus receptions. 10,000-plus receiving yards, 60-plus touchdowns, played with multiple teams, four-time All-Pro, but never led the NFL in receptions, receiving yards, or touchdowns. Pretty interesting. There it is. All right. All right, so let's talk about the the National Football League at the midway point. We've mentioned the 49ers at 4-4 and with half their team on IR. Uh, They're buried in the NFC West, which is a great outstanding division uh, led by the Seattle Seahawks. You and I, John talked this week about the Seahawks. I still contend that I think Tampa Bay is a more complete team, but I think you made a point or maybe Cowherd made a point that we haven't seen the best of Seattle yet because their defense has been not second rate, but sort of mediocre and they have sort of nowhere to go, but up. And if their defense goes up even a couple of notches, they're going to be very tough to beat. But right now, I think Tampa Bay has the most complete team despite and, and or in spite of uh, their Monday night performance. I think it, and I think that was my idea. I said I thought the ceiling for uh, Seattle might be a little higher uh, right. at this point. To, to your point, I think that defense will play better. Um, but I took Seattle because I, I also think that there are guys on that. There are still guys on that Seattle team that uh, know what the playoffs are like and know what it's like. To, to fight for a playoff um, position. I think they're so I think they're a little more mature than Tampa Bay at this point. I know with you know yeah Brady and I'm not Brady and Russell Wilson are they're top of the list. That's a pick 'em for me at this point. Uh, and I know that adding Antonio Brown, who apparently is going to be playing this weekend, could really really tilt them in the direction against, against the Saints. So that's a great game. Right. And uh, so uh, it, it is an, an outstanding game. And I think Tom Brady hasn't lost, been swept by a division opponent um, in like 19 Ever. years. I think it's like 19. No, I honestly think it's like 19 seasons since they've been swept by. If you, if you think about it, that goes back, you know, 2001, 2002. That would make sense that they haven't. He has not been swept by a division opponent. So that's going to make it very interesting. But the thing that we both arrived on, Mark, uh, and uh, why it didn't. It, it didn't start a fight between you and I as uh, as as many discussions when one does not agree <laughs> with Mark. Our want completely is that they've separated themselves in the NFC in my mind. Um, yeah, no, I I, be- I believe that as well. They've separated themselves from Green Bay, who is sort of where I thought they'd be at this point in time. I didn't think they'd be lights out, but I thought they'd be good. I thought they'd be competitive. Uh, in terms of any surprises, team wise, John. I yeah. think the biggest surprise because the Niners, you know, if, if you were to tell someone ahead of the ahead of the season that half their team would be on IR, then you wouldn't be surprised at a four and four record at the at the. At the I, at I had the them out of the playoffs even without those injuries. 
That's true. So, so really not to me, they're overachieving a little bit to, to be 500 with all the injuries they've had, I think speaks well of them, frankly. Well, I, th- I think they have a, a good culture there for lack of a better yeah, term. Yeah. I wish I didn't have to use that term, but because uh, it's overused in my, in my opinion, I think there's good coaching and I think there's some, you know, they've drafted well. So they're, their depth. And uh, he's a good play caller. Shanahan's a good is. play caller and they, you he know, really they, is. I, they're going to be a tough biggest, out, even undermanned. They're going to be a tough out in my mind. Uh, I think Arizona's a bit of a surprise. And I would think the biggest surprise, however, is, ha- has to be the Cowboys. Uh, that actually, I yeah, mean, I mean, I, I didn't want to spend a lot of time talking about them. I thought that no. I, I didn't, I, I did not, I don't trust them uh, in the playoffs or even to get to the playoffs, certainly. But yeah, I expected that they would be better than they are. Now, if you would have told me that Dak was getting injured, um, then I might have, uh, I, I find that less surprising. My surprise is actually this. My surprise is how well the Chicago Bears are doing, despite the fact that all the good money says they've got to go get themselves a quarterback in the draft. That's just so odd to me because as those two things just don't ever seem to go together. Ever. Ever. Um, but they, uh, you know, they are what we see from the Chicago Bears every now and then, a team that puts together enough of a defense, enough of a solid defense, uh, and maybe an ability to run the ball just enough to be a 10-6 and six team but just not diverse enough to uh, to do any damage in the playoffs. And I mean, that's who they have been forever. But the fact that they are sitting in second place in a division that, you know, again, we talk about Green Bay. Nobody's overly impressed with Green Bay at this point. Um, I think speaks well of the Chicago Bears. So that, that I'm very surprised they are where they are. I would have thought if they'd been here, the Trubisky either would have played much better, um, which he didn't clearly got benched. Or that Foles would be playing like Philadelphia Nick Foles, and he hasn't really he hasn't done that either. So, well, and they've lost two two games in a row. I I think uh, we have to remember we 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 have such a short memory in the NFL. I mean, it's game to game, as we know. We laugh at that. We laugh how everyone overreacts every right. game, and then and then and that analyzes uh, a speculative blanket over the entire rest of the year or what's happened based on one game. If a team makes the playoffs one year, the next year they miss the playoffs, the next year we don't think they're a playoff team, but they're only one year removed, and that's the case uh, with the Chicago Bears. I would say sticking in that same division, you've got to think the Minnesota Vikings are a big surprise as well. As as much as the Dallas Cowboys are, the Minnesota Vikings and how far they've fallen off the table, and specifically Kirk Cousins, uh, is yeah, he's played really, really poorly, and really uh, and, surprising. Uh, and but you know, and then you see what you saw from them last week, which is a guy like Dalvin Cook who who can carry the load as a running back. I think he's a terrific running back, one of my favorite in the league. Yeah. Um, but they, yeah, you really, really have to wonder there, and it does sit on Kirk Cousins a bit. But they have been inconsistent on the defensive side of the football. I just don't know how good their roster is, to be frank, Mark. I think Kirk Cousins with a with a really top notch roster. I think I have to be honest. I think if Kirk Cousins was with the Dallas Cowboys at this point in time, um, they might be a little a little better because I think he might be an upgrade on Andy Dalton at this point. Uh, though he hasn't well, played like it for Minnesota at this point. No, Stephon Diggs. They lost Stephon Diggs, and maybe that was the big the big piece that needed to uh, to stay there. Even though he didn't have this outstanding season last year, but just having that threat. 
I mean, and all you yeah, need is it's, a threat. It's not all about the numbers for wide receivers. And guys exactly. will tell you that, that if you're pulling double coverage every game, guy may make one catch and may be the most important uh, player yeah. on the offense at that Absolutely. point in time. And that's Absolutely. why I'm also surprised that Green Bay didn't go and get a wide receiver. And apparently they were in the market, but they, boy, they stick with their plan, which is, you know, we're going to develop our, we're going to draft and develop our talent. Right. And I think they're missing an opportunity in an NFC that is top heavy with Seattle and uh, Tampa, but both teams, Seattle's defense is obviously a problem for them. Tampa's still learning to play together. And again, defensively at times, they look like they particularly are, uh, 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 can be done with a big play. They're, they're, they, that, that defense will give up a big play from time to Maybe time. Maybe the back end. The back Maybe end. the back end's not strong enough, perhaps. Um, but I'm just real surprised that Green Bay didn't look at this as an opportunity season and maybe try to get Aaron Rodgers uh, some more some more weapons. But this is what they do. And so, you know, year in and year out there, 10 and 6, 11 and 5. And, and the they, they and or New Orleans are, are the next tier down from Tampa yeah. Bay and Seattle. And uh, they could make some noise in the playoffs. Who knows? Sure. You know, it's yeah. just one game. Anything could happen. Um, and I think I think Arizona is, is going to be right there. Uh, I don't think they're going to do too much in the playoffs, but it's nice to see them competing they're right there at the top uh i don't think the i don't think the rams are going to make the uh the playoffs they're i such think a, they're such a tough they're such a tough call because you could see the rams with that you know with aaron donald and that defense the way they can get pressure with just rushing for hell with three guys at times um and how diverse that offense can be when it's when it's on when you get uh jared goff into a rhythm you can see you them can pulling off four or four. five wins but to your point, Mark, you could also see them dropping games to teams that they shouldn't lose to, and not just West Coast, East Coast, because there's some stuff there too with the Miami. But um, uh, I, they, they could certainly play spoiler. There's no doubt about that. To your point, if you disrupt his rhythm, it's it's over. And yeah. and Miami was able to do that, and uh, that's 49ers were able to do that. So uh, right now, I mean, it looks like it's you know Arizona, Seattle, New Orleans, Tampa Bay. Uh, Green Bay, maybe Chicago, and then whoever wins the East. And uh, Chicago could drop out. Who knows? The Rams could take that. But but I don't see anything. That looks pretty set with maybe one team differential uh, throughout, maybe two. But it looks pretty set. So before we get more specific on players, let's go to the AFC. And any surprises in the AFC? Um I mean, Pittsburgh being 7-0 and is a, certainly a surprise. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised that they're undefeated, though. I think going into this, we all thought they had an opportunity uh, if they were healthy, and they have remained largely healthy. Um, and, they had an opportunity yeah. to be a pretty good football team. And, and I think maybe second to that, or maybe first even, is Miami. The way they're playing, that defense. Now, now to your point on our Monday show, we talked about how yards given up is – it's not a stat you need to yeah. hang your hat on, if you will. If, you're t if your offense goes up 17 to nothing in the first quarter, your defense is going to start giving up yards. Yep. That's and, just how and, it goes. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just the way it works. So, and, and if that's the case, then uh, then we can dismiss some of that. You know, it was 400-something yards or maybe mm -hmm. 399 yards against, against the Rams. They have looked really strong defensively. So much so that Tua, in his first start, you know, could be pretty, pretty mediocre. It was a nice touchdown throw, but it, but it didn't matter. The fact that they're four and three and they're 
they're right on the heels of the Buffalo Buffalo mm-hmm. Bills, who are. I mean, I would say is Josh Allen regressing a little bit the last two three games, perhaps. I I don't know uh, if it's Josh Allen any more than guys have more guys. A little more film on them at this point, so maybe teams are catching up a little bit. I still think they're pretty good, though. Um, I, I think with Miami, uh, I think you're right. And going into the second half, they're as interesting a team as we have because it's funny. I, I I felt like I was kind of prescient. I read another a couple of other analysts and people who should know a lot more than me. I mean, how how difficult is that, people, to know a lot more than me? I attempt to set the bar low on that. But a couple of guys saying the same thing that I did about his debut being the least um, compelling debut they'd ever seen from a quarterback and that we don't even really know what Tua no, is no. or no. will be. Made made a nice throw, certainly did a couple of things that look like uh, a rookie quarterback and did a couple of things that showed the talent that he has. So we don't know what they have there. Um, and I just wonder moving forward, I, I think we're going to have to – that's going to have to be sorted out for them because I just, I just, again, I wonder about if they, you know, in that division, which to your point, Buffalo now sort of falling off. New England looks like they're a seller. Um, we could, the three of us, eight other people playing both ways could keep it within two touchdowns of the jets. Um, that this experiment with Tua is going on. If they lose a couple of games, what happens then? Do they make a ch- choice? Do the, are, are they like us thinking they're a couple of seasons ahead? So why not figure out what you what you are? Um, yeah, they're gonna, moving forward. They're just going to be as interesting as anybody in the AFC. I, I agree. It, it's almost like they had a, a whole half season to figure out what they had with Tua, which is I think was a very smart move by the organization and Flores to put him in at that point in time. But if they start getting competitive for the division. And, yeah, for and he's not playing well. And he's he, and he's continuing to just, you know, be a rookie quarterback. Sure. Let's face it, 80, 85 percent are like this at first. Yeah, you know, of course. They, yeah. they don't all walk in and become. I'm not Dan slamming Reno him or Joe Burrow or anyone. You know, I'm not slamming him at all. I'm, I'm right. giving them credit for winning, he's, whether he stays on, you know, winning, be- winning a game where they didn't really need much from him. And he and they didn't see a lot. Uh, we'll see more moving forward. But boy, if they're if, if they're in the mix later on in the season, and that defense is playing as well as it is, and they're all, uh, opportunistic on special teams, but now they're moving into playoff time, and you're going to need your twenty one points on the board. What happens then? So interesting stuff. I would say that's probably more of a surprise, although to your point, Pittsburgh, we all knew they would be better. We all knew they'd be back to being sort of Pittsburgh if they were healthy and they've basically been healthy, but we didn't We never thought they'd be number one in the AFC at this point. We no, thought, I thought Baltimore be would be better in the division. At, at best. We, we thought they'd be number three. Exactly. Kansas city and Baltimore. And right now they're the, you know, they're the darlings of the AFC at seven and zero, oh, And I think that's a surprise. But I think the greater surprise is Miami being so competitive. Yeah. I mean, they blew away the 49ers and they essentially blew away the Rams. Yeah. And so they own the toughest division in football. They they do. They, they do. Just, they just wish they were playing in the NFC West. That's it. They're just if we were playing, the, we own the NFC West. It's like that question that we would always ask a, a major league baseball pitcher who was like a Hall of Famer or a hitter, and say, "Who's sure. the guy who's a nobody who owns you?" 
Is there some, right. there was always somebody, some guy who hit 212, but hit like 360 against yeah. Burt Blylevin. Sure. Eight home <laughs> runs and, you know, 40 at bats. Yeah. At bats. Uh, that's, that's kind of uh, Miami with the NFC West. Um, I'm, I'm a little surprised. I have to admit, I'm, I'm surprised that, um, uh, that Indianapolis is I, I guess I just knew so little about them. I know now defensively that they're very solid defensively, and I yeah. thought bringing in, um, I thought bringing in uh, 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 Philip Rivers would would be an obviously an upgrade and an improvement. Um, but I think I would consider them a, an early uh, half season surprise for me that they're playing as well as they are. Yeah, I mean, I I thought you know, I mean, I think they would. I would have given them. We're talking Tennessee. What's Correct. that? Indianapolis. I'm sorry. I went immediately to Tennessee, and I would have given them the surprise of of the of the halfway poll mm-hmm. um, if it wasn't for the last two losses in a row. Tennessee's nope. probably the hardest team to figure out. Yeah, I, I dismissed them for five games, and then I've overrated them for two. Yeah, well, so I picked I'm them. wrong every time. No, you figured it out. You 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 got on the right bandwagon with that with Tennessee and Cincinnati. I still think they're uh, good. I but if you look though, but if you look at Indianapolis, their point differential is plus sixty two. Wow, and wow. you and Tennessee's plus twenty four. Uh, Indy, on the other hand, won two in a row. Um, I think moving forward in the AFC, uh, as Philip Rivers gets more comfortable with the people around him, look, we all agree he's not the Philip Rivers of the Pro Bowl years, but he's a smart guy, and he's played a lot of competitive football. I, and I always say this is one of my favorite stats, and I think it's still true, that he started more games at quarterback in Division One college football than any other player in history because he started from his first game as a freshman, and they went to bowl games, I think, every year. Um, or at least three of the four years. So I, I think they, to, to, to the point, what we're seeing from Tennessee, and I think they will bounce back and play better. And let's remember Cincinnati, they were on the road, and the Bengals have, you know, they don't have a great record, but we all looked at the Bengals and went, they're going to give people some trouble because Joe Burrow is, frankly, looking like the real deal. Um, and when they learn how to win some games, you know, and maybe maybe they have. Maybe this was a big breakthrough for them. Yeah, um, but I I'm think not in, ready. I'm not ready to say it's a surprise. They they beat Minnesota early in the season. They beat the Jets. Mm-hmm. They did beat they did beat the Bears. Uh they beat the Bengals and they beat the Lions. So I mm-hmm. mean, they have you know the 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 toughest teams they've played. They've lost to. They lost to uh, Cleveland, which was their. Um, uh, I think they lost. That was like game three, game four, and they lost to, uh, and they lost to the Jags. I think early on they lost the Jags opening week. Though. Yeah, you know, opening but week. I mean, but but they won two in a row now. They have, and it's against it, it's against the uh, the Jet, not the Jets, but uh, Colts and the Lions. The I mean, excuse well, me, no, the, but, uh, the Lions. Uh, yeah, they. Uh, yeah, the Bengals. They beat the Bengals in the line. Sorry, they, be, they beat the Bengals. Phones all freezing. Now my phone's freezing up. Good lord, twenty twenty. The Bengals. <laughs> Let's blame it on the year. Let's blame it on the year. Everything on the year. Everything is blamed on the year. Well, but you know, but the but the uh, the Bengals just came off of winning a game against the Titans. So again, they're 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 a tough out. And you know, again, you can only play who's on your schedule. At I, this agree. Point. I agree. And I think if we looked at, I think if we looked at most teams, most of your five win teams, they probably won. One, maybe two games against teams that are 
you know, really competitive. Oh, yeah. I mean, I agree with that. It, you know, like the NFC South, Carolina and Atlanta are interesting. And obviously, New Orleans, Tampa Bay could be still the most interesting division in football. The AFC South is the most annoyingly interesting division in football. <laughs> I'm just annoyed by that division on many, many levels. I think I'm just prejudiced, John. Well, for years, it was we Indianapolis. We, for years, we closed the door on uh, Houston. And finally, Houston went ahead and shut the door themselves uh, with some bad personnel moves. Uh, but, uh, for, yeah, for years, it was like, well, no, Houston can't win it again. And then they would always win it. The Jags are perpetually rebuilding. Um, Tennessee was the big surprise for all of us, but I think, uh, Tennessee, I think, I think Indy could give Tennessee a run in the second half. I, well, I'm, both- I'm, I'm picking Indy for a team that's going to have a little hot second half. All right. Well, they're both five and two should be interesting to see. Um, I, I, I still think it's the top three in the AFC, which is Pittsburgh, Baltimore well, and Kansas city. Well, we're going to find out Mark, because the Colts have, they're, uh, moving forward. They've got the Ravens the Titans, and the Packers for the next three weeks. There you go. So go two and one. If you go two and one against that gauntlet, then yeah, you're six and three, and you're, you know, you're pretty viable in my pretty, mind. Pretty good defense, and they've got the Packers coming into Indianapolis. So I think that, you know, that's obviously of the two. I, I would say I I like them better there uh, than against the other two teams. Boy, they go two and one there. They could be. They could be interesting, and they're not, there's nothing remotely interesting about them, other than that they're winning games they shouldn't win. And what's interesting too is that it's it's in terms of the top tier stuff, it's sort of gone chalk, John. There's not a lot of surprises. I, I mean, I, at the beginning of the season, if you were to say the top two teams in the AFC, in the NFC are Tampa Bay and Seattle, and the top two three teams in the AFC are Baltimore and Kansas City, with Pittsburgh in there as well, no one would be surprised by that. Yeah. No, so in that sense, in terms of the top tier, it's all Chuck. Yeah. It's all Chuck. Yeah. All right. Let's go to our second set of progressive clues. We're looking for an NFL player, past or present. First set of clues played 12 plus years, career numbers, 800 plus receptions, 10,000 plus receiving yards, 60 plus TDs, played with multiple teams, four time all pro, but never led the NFL in receptions, reception, receiving yards or touchdowns. Very interesting. Here we go. Next set of clues. 40 receiving touchdowns in college. It's quite a bit. Seventh-round pick. Huh. What does that imply? 90-plus-yard catch and run for a TD in the playoffs. So that was a a major play. And eight-time Pro Bowler. So how about that? Seventh-round pick, four-time All-Pro, eight-time Pro Bowler, and uh, had 40 receiving touchdowns in college. That's a lot of... That's a lot of touchdowns in college. All right. Stop yelling at me. That's why you had to yell at me about it. I, I, I accept it's no, a lot making, of touchdowns just, in college. I'm just being emphatic. I'm just making a point. Right, it's not, fair it's not at you, John. It's, right. I, I take everything yeah. personally. You yeah. do. You do. I, mean, and then I, I, really take, I think, you know, I think performers as a rule were just so thin-skinned. Just Which is odd because you're in a job where you're you're rejected a lot more than you are it's just part you know, of the complicated accepted. morality that it takes to be a performer. You know, you're you're yeah. you you have no problem get, getting re, getting baked in rejection, mm. and then you know someone says someone talks about you know a progressive trivia, and you take it personally. You know yeah, what I mean? It's true. It's true. It's very no, very no, it is very true. All right. So, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about 
some of the quarterback surprises before we get into college football, some of the fun stuff that uh, you sent over that uh, article about, you know, some yeah. of the most uh, surprising, disappointing uh, quarterback play first half of the season. Yeah, I thought it was a fun. I thought it was a fun article. I, I want to find here because I want to give uh, I want to give attribution to the proper uh, best and worst quarterbacks uh, in the NFL uh, top rookies and Kevin Seifert uh, actually with the uh, with the story on that. But it, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, and basically, what we all believe to be the case is saying that your top two choices for your best quarterback are Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes. Finally, Russell Wilson getting mentioned before uh, uh, Tom Brady. Uh, I, I, what, the one that I found most interesting was, was the take on Drew Locke because he's a guy coming into the season who we, uh, you know, we didn't know a ton about Drew Locke. They, they'd fallen in love with him. Our good friend Kendall Gammon, who joined us, former uh, you know, decade more or more in the National Football League for the Kansas City Chiefs, Pittsburgh Steelers, a couple of other teams, uh, and whose kid played with Drew Locke, whose son played with Drew Locke, and I think uh, he said AAU basketball or something, talked about how good he was. Um, but uh, I love the fact that Drew Locke, who you talk about the the swing of how we feel about a guy, was like, well, we don't know a lot about him. And then we heard, oh, he's going to be really good. And then he didn't look that great. And then he got hurt. Well, now he comes back and he has one really good game <laughs> against the Chargers, and he's solidified again. One good quarter. Yeah, essentially one good quarter. One good quarter. He, he had really performed those first three quarters against the Chargers. In the same way he had all year, I think he had just thrown two touchdown passes, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And he then <laughs> scores 21 points and comes back, you know, big against the Chargers. Yep. And, the and they're saying this was his audition season and that they liked him a lot. But I, and I love the fact that, you know, and talk about uh, actors, he had gotten a lot of rejection up to this point. But now he has bought all of that back. And he did it up against the team in the Chargers with the guy who now is getting a lot of a lot of love yep. for rookie of the year. Yeah. Uh, and, and that is Justin Herbert. And that has been, to me, the biggest surprise of the rookies. Um, I, Burrow's better than I thought he would be. I, I thought, uh, again, I don't know anything about Tua at this point. I don't think any of us do. Um, but Justin Herbert, who I liked a lot at Oregon for a while, and I bought into the criticism of him his final season uh, last year at Oregon. I think it had a little bit more to do with what was going on at Oregon than it did uh, with uh, with Herbert. But uh, he has been, to me, the most positive surprise of the quarterback because I didn't uh -huh. expect him. I didn't expect him to play until later in the season. I don't think he would have. I don't think they planned on doing to him what Miami is doing with Tua. I think he just sat. That's a tough Tyler call, Taylor. Johnny, because I, I agree with you in terms of when he played. That's surprising and how well he's played since then. Uh, but he was a first-round pick, after all. And um, I'm, I am I feel like I'm more surprised with Burrow because not only is he better than I expected, but I thought, I thought he would just be buried by the Bengals, by the worst offensive line in football, by the fact that the, the weapons are, you know, aging, aging weapons. And I just thought he would be one of those first overall picks that just gets buried because the team is so bad, especially the Bengals, who have been, you know, historically bad. 
for decades. Yeah. And, and even when they went on a run under Marvin Lewis of making the playoffs, they never won a game. Prior to Marvin Lewis, they spent the 90s being the worst franchise in the NFL. Mm. Post Marvin Lewis, they've been pretty bad as well. So I just I didn't think he would he I didn't think he could win any games. Right. I didn't uh, think he would be this good. But I felt that he would at least start. And I still think Herbert, yes, had it not that. been for the Taylor uh, injury, I don't think Herbert, I think they would have played Justin Herbert. Um, but I don't think, we, we certainly wouldn't have seen him this early. Yeah. And I really, I, I'm more surprised, uh, really, from this, from how well he's playing versus. And that said, they're, t- they're two and six, you know. Yes. Yeah, no, well, both, both he and Burrow are playing much better than the records of their team. There's no doubt about that. And I think if you're either one of those teams, you're fine with that at this point because you're you weren't going anywhere anyway. I don't know. I, if you're the San Diego Chargers, you you should be at least 500. They they just have this legacy right now of just clamming in the yeah. They can't they can't finish in the clutch. They cannot finish. All right, so uh, let's let's talk a little bit about this weekend, John. Before we revisit some of the um, the stuff we talked about at the top of the show with. Uh, compensating college athletes you've got florida georgia that's a big game how many how many of those outdoor largest outdoor they even call that anymore the they, outdoor cocktail party i don't i don't believe they're allowed to they, they backed off on that whole thing yeah they, they don't want they don't want they don't want to think people are going to go there and drink really yeah, yeah. they just don't they want to encourage it in the title that's all sure right don't title it that way obviously it's going to happen but don't you know, from yeah. on high, officially, this is the biggest outdoor cocktail party. Drink How many of those have you been to? Have you been to any? Florida, Georgia games? Yeah. Been to like seven. Really? Maybe more. Wow. Yeah, I went to my first Florida, Georgia game uh, in the fall of 85. Florida was ranked number one in the country. Ray McDonald, the wide receiver, not the defensive lineman from Florida, who ended up having uh, a good career uh, with the Gators. His dad was on the cover of Sports Illustrated along with uh, somebody from Penn State that year because there was a split number one. That was back APUPI number one. And uh, going into the Florida game, uh, I believe Florida was undefeated. I think one tie. Uh, I think they tied like Rutgers or something early in the season, some weird thing. And then they uh, they got just obliterated by Georgia in the in the game. Georgia ran. They had two guys, and it wasn't Lars Tate and Rodney Hampton, but they had a couple, like two running backs, both get over Late 100 80s yards or not. Uh, 1985, 1985. So Galen uh, Hall, Galen Hall was head coach of the Gators. Yep, Vince Dooley was still uh, as still the head coach of the uh, of the Dogs, and that was my first Florida Florida Georgia game. I think I've been to uh, six, and I'm three and three. All right. So how do you see it? How do you see it this weekend? Uh, well, Georgia doesn't look great, and Georgia, Florida looks like they can be great. They can, well, but, they came back and they played well after. Consistent. Yeah, they played well after their time off. That was the kind of the really really encouraging thing that I saw from Florida. They were a little slow getting started, but they'd been really hadn't played a game in three weeks. I think uh, yeah, in yeah, yeah. game. Um, but once that once that offense gets untracked, um, yeah. Kyle Trask is quite good. He's getting yeah. mentioned now as. You know, Heisman candidate uh, for, you know, he's in that second tier of a deep college football. He'll be invited to New York. Maybe. And uh, he's in that he's in that second tier of first round, high second round choice as a quarterback. Um, I like him a lot. I like him a lot. It's uh, it's a pick game as far as I'm concerned. Uh, George is the favorite giving three and a half. But I think 
the Florida defense, though, has they have at times looked very vulnerable to I agree. Uh, the big play, and they have to stay away from that at Georgia. If they can force Georgia to move down the field, um, have to sustain drives, I think they'll be okay. But they start getting in a shootout, uh, I think Florida's defense is more likely to break down in a shootout than Georgia's is. Well, and Georgia's offense certainly was no great shakes last week. Uh, I no. think it was against Kentucky, right? 14 points. Yeah. You know, it's it's not like they're uh, Ole Miss or Texas A&M where they have all this inventive play calling and can no. get guys out of position and, and, and create bad matchups. George is more straight ahead. So I, I would give the edge to Florida as in my mind, because I think that defense can step up with that kind of offense. It's the, it's the wide open offense that they're, that they struggle with in my, at least just what I've seen this year, the yeah. very cursory knowledge I have. Yeah. There's some, and, there's and some truth. I'm to sort of expert based on, Oh, I don't know. Eight minutes of, of watching. <laughs> no, that, I mean, they, they are more susceptible to that, but they are just, they're really, really in the games that I've seen. And I did not see the Missouri game. I only saw some highlights from it. Um, they have been very, very vulnerable though on the back end. And even yeah. against not, you know, teams that, necessarily can do that. Georgia's still got talented guys and they have fast wide receivers. And you see, you see a lot of, you see a lot of what you used to see in Florida games, but with the, with their offense and defense swapped, you used to see wide receivers running with two, three yards to the closest defender. And you you see that a little bit with Florida's defense and you can't do that against Georgia. All right. So in your heart of hearts, the Trevor Lawrence, less, Clemson Tigers against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Did the Irish have a chance? They're only down. They're only a six-point underdog. Do they have a chance, or are they as much of a poser as they've sort of been in this college football playoff era? Well, I think they're still largely a poser. Uh, the the one thing I will say for Notre Dame that I have been impressed with this year more than in years past, and we've talked about this, is they are faster. That was part of their problem before. I think when they would come up against these SEC and some ACC teams that had a lot more speed, Notre Dame was big, and strong. They had, you know, great tight ends generally, decent offensive lines. They got mediocre quarterback play. That's been a problem for them. Uh, I think against the Trevor Lawrence less Clemson Tigers, they do have a puncher's chance. But the for me, the menu for them is they have got to keep Clemson's offense off the field. Yeah. They're going to have to sustain. Yeah. The running game. Well, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. The Clemson defense was a little, as we mentioned, somewhat out of sorts at the top of the game yeah. uh, last week, and they were able to pull it back together uh, against BC in time. Uh, they just sort of woke up. I just think Clemson's roster, even without Tre- without the great Trevor Lawrence, uh, is just loaded. It's the whole thing we've talked about with Alabama. They're just loaded. And, and they're not going to come freshman out. freshman quarterback is, yeah. you know, an all-world recruit. They're, they're not going to come out as, uh, as flat as they did against BC. We talked about that, too. It's, you know, it's a game against BC. It's at home. This is at Notre Dame, the number one four team in the country. Um, you know, one loss in – it's November now. So climbing back into the playoff after that loss is going to be a lot more difficult, though I think Clemson yeah. could lose this game and still get there. They're going to be focused, and I just think too many horses for Notre Dame. I think the Irish will keep it close, but they're going to need something uh, – the Irish are going to need something like a, a pick six or a special teams touchdown, something to flip the script a little bit on uh, 
on Clemson because they're also Clemson's also really good defensively at making adjustments. So if you're having some level of success with them offensively, they generally shut that down after a while. So game of the game of the week, though. In my mind, right. so I, and the college football playoff yeah. rankings, it is. Well, there's two games of the week, if you ask me. Uh, Florida Georgia's a game of the week as well. I, um, you know, t- there's two top five. Oh, no, you guys are eight. Are you eight yeah. right now, yeah. Florida? Okay. Yeah, and those are two undefeated teams. That's that true. And those in Florida, Georgia have a couple of losses. Uh, By now, we probably would have had the first week of college football playoff uh, rankings. It's pushed to to the 24th, which is the Tuesday right before Thanksgiving. So uh, we still have a couple weeks to wait on that one, and we'll see what happens. I do think they will take into consideration, John, the fact that Clemson, if they indeed do lose, that they didn't have their starting quarterback, their Heisman Trophy-favored quarterback, uh, on their roster. All right, let's go to the third set of clues for progressive trivia. All right, played 12 plus years, career numbers, 800 plus receptions. That's a lot. 10,000 plus receiving yards, also a lot. 60 plus touchdowns, played with multiple teams. Four time All Pro. It's pretty amazing. Amazing, but never led the NFL in a particular year. I should, you know, that I, I think that was assumed in receptions, receiving yards, or touchdowns. This guy also had 40 touchdowns in college, seventh-round pick. Very interesting there. 90-plus yard catch and run for a TD in the playoffs. Eight-time Pro Bowler. Final set of clues coming up. Multiple Super Bowl champ. Had the NFL record for receptions, yards, and TDs for his position when he retired. 90s all-decade first team. And he now gets paid to yell. <laughs> so I think that should give it away for yep. everyone. Yep. But um, interesting, man. Interesting player. I forgot where he went to school. And uh, that's why it was a seventh round pick because it was back then they called it Division Two. Now yep. they would call it FCA, you know, uh, division. But might as well, might as well have been Division Three. 3.5. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, anything else? We want to talk about the college football um, article that you saw that you shared about actually compensating these kids for when their likeness is used and money is generated from their likeness, from their image. Uh, yeah. Allowing them to, to, to profit from it. Not necessarily yes. just, you know, and, and, uh, and again, how, as, as we've seen, how you uh, – what you label something defund the police may not be necessarily what what you're really really talking about so you have to be careful with that this is this is allowing them to profit from what's not necessarily the universities compensating the players but it's allowing them to use their personal likeness their celebrity uh or or even their ability to uh to teach their sport um with the Olympic athletes, one of the one of the things that could be a great revenue stream is for them personally coaching younger athletes and getting paid to do that, which they're not allowed to do right now. So it's things like that. Um, again, I, I want to go back. I want to make sure that I give everybody the proper attribution for the story. And I recommend that everybody uh, that everybody check it out. Um, let me see. So good of you, John, to, to worry about attribution. That's just well, I just it, commendable. It's, it, I can't do the story justice because it's so long. And what it does is it breaks down these differences. Dan Murphy in ESPN is called Higher Earning. 
The NCAA is moving closer to allowing college athletes to make money from their names, images, and likeness. What could they earn? And it breaks things down so that you can pick the type of athlete. As I said, it's uh, an all-American in a a revenue-generating sport. Somebody who just plays in a revenue-generating sport. Somebody who plays in a non-revenue-generating sport, which is most college sports. Let's be honest. Of course. Um, Outside of basketball and football, and some schools, hockey makes money. There are a few schools where baseball, it makes money as well, but those are largely the ones. And then Atlantic lacrosse perhaps makes money. (laughs) The ACC has great lacrosse. I don't sure anybody's making any money on it, but, um, and then Olympic athletes and the different revenue streams. And you can, you can, uh, you can change what the type of athlete is. And then the revenue streams, be they, uh, endorsements, uh, as I said, coaching in camps, allowing kids to, you know, say, hey, I'm home for the summer. I'm a great ski jumper. If you come out to Colorado Springs, you can you can learn that from me, that type of thing for Olympic athletes. Um, it's just really, really interesting. And it does bring up a lot of a lot of questions. But I just don't think no matter what your political bent is in this country, that you can look at these athletes and not say in some way, the amount of money that's being thrown around. And there's a lot of in these non-revenue sports, you know, college baseball, there's money being made. And I think it's time that we start funneling that money towards the towards the labor end of it. Yeah, and I, and I understand that uh, a lot of these college football, a lot of these colleges, their athletic departments barely break even, even if they have relatively, you know, big programs in college basketball and college football because the the price to maintain all this stuff is up there and they probably need every revenue stream they can get. But yeah. by the same token, if you've earned something, if, if if you if that college has money specifically because of your name or likeness or image, then there's there by definition, you know, it's un-American not to, not to give some sort of compensation to the entity that is earning that money and, and allow, uh, just allow you to benefit again. It's not saying that the, that now all of a sudden the university of Alabama has to come up with 250 bucks a week additionally to pay everybody, all their scholarship athletes or that Kentucky has to do that with their basketball players. What it's saying is if somebody's going to make a video game and yeah. it's the greatest video game ever made was NCAA college football for EA sports. It is sure. by far the greatest the video, game video game ever. Um, if you're going to do that and you're going to have these guys, maybe not their names, but it, so obviously them, the numbers, how they play, they deserve to to, uh, to benefit from yeah. that. And that goes back to the UCLA uh, championship uh, basketball team, the O'Bannon brothers. Yep. They're, they're the guys who started that because there was an NCAA uh, they're the basketball. Kurt flood. They're the Kurt Flood of this particular issue. They, they are. But I, I just recommend that everybody check that out uh, because it is uh, it, it, there are certainly things where you might you might look at some of these revenue streams and say this really needs to be sort of rigidly uh, um, managed so that people aren't taking advantage of it. And what you don't want to get is, you know, these entities coming in, paying kids and then in some way you know, getting them to, uh, uh, you, you don't want a scheme where, where guys are, are, uh, I'm, I'm, and I'm missing the word for it, but somehow changing the, the play on the court. God, why, how, see, this is what happens when you get to be my age. You just, you just forget stuff, uh, shave points, things like shave. You just forget things. You just do. Generally, I'm happy that I haven't forgotten why I'm sitting in front of this computer. But, I mean, but you know, guys, you get guys to shave points. There, there are a lot of things when you start 
th- throwing money at, ki- at anybody, at professional or uh, amateur athletes. Um, but there, but if a kid can benefit from his social media presence because he is an all-American defensive back at Alabama, and to you know to the point where. Yeah, maybe it works out in the NFL, but but there are a lot of All-Americans that go to the NFL, Mark, and as you know, don't have long-lasting right. careers. Right. No, I, I think that article is a, is a great read. I, I did look at it, and I think everyone should should uh, read it and study it, which is what I plan to do as well. Uh, let's go to the progressive trivia real quick. Everyone's gotten it right. Tom and Lenny, when I say everyone, uh, has gotten it right. And... Um, Played 12-plus years, 800-plus receptions, 10,000-plus receiving yards, 60-plus touchdowns. Those were all, by the way, uh, records, NFL records for his position as a tight end when he retired. It's since been eclipsed by two uh, tight ends. Played with multiple teams, four-time All-Pro. Never led the NFL in receptions, receiving yards, or touchdowns because normally that goes to an actual wide receiver. 40 receiving touchdowns in college. Do you remember where he went to school, Johnny? I believe he went to school at South Carolina State. I think it's Savannah State. All right. Well, you but, know, but that's close. You could, but you could, yes, very, very. I think you're right. I think you are right. I think that's called South of South Carolina State. <laughs> yes. South, 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 south Carolina of South State. Carolina. And it's not that far south. Slightly south of South Carolina Just State. Slightly south. Savannah, by the way, fun town. All right. Yes, uh, it is. Seventh round pick because he went to Savannah State. 90, 96 yard is what it was when he was, I think, I think it was with the Ravens. That run that they had for the Super Bowl is when he had a 96 yard catch and run. Uh, eight time Pro Bowler. Next set of clues coming up. He was multiple Super Bowl champ, two with Denver, one with Baltimore. Hold the NFL record again, as we mentioned, for all of those things when he retired. 90s all decade first team, as well he should be, now gets paid to yell at Skip uh, Bayless. Now we'll get to say, and he is, of course, the great Shannon Sharp. That may be the greatest job ever. I know. I would, a, I, I would crawl across cut glass to yell at Skip. To yell at him. And he gets right. paid a lot to do it. He, he does. So let me do a little lighthearted uh, scenario, if we can all handle it. I'm not sure if we can. Uh, election. This is Wednesday. If anyone goes back to see this at the moment, it is too close to call, essentially. Mm-hmm. And there's a very real possibility. Uh, now, I know that the, there was that one tiny Nebraska district that has, uh, I think, gone to Biden. But it perhaps in the courts, if they reverse it, if they were to reverse that, then literally and 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 Biden wins Nevada, Wisconsin and Michigan and loses Pennsylvania. uh it would be 269 to 269. Yeah. So the last time there was a tie like that, an actual tie, what the Constitution says is that the president is picked by the House of Representatives mm-hmm. and the vice president is picked by the Senate. Yeah, but Mark, I saw your smile, but it's not just the House of Representatives. It's picked by state by state and the Republicans own 26 of 50 state houses in the federal house. So you're talking, I thought it was the actual house of representatives in in Congress. It's Congress, but it's not done by vote by vote. The states each get a vote with all of their congressional members. 
and Republicans own 26 majorities of the 50 states. Well, then, there you go. Because so I wasn't going to say it was 269, there's a very legitimate chance that it's Trump and Pence. But I don't think that's what this is going to come down to. I think it's going to be an electoral college win. No, and I'm going to have to do some research on that uh, state thing because I think it comes down to the. Uh, no, you're wrong, but do the research and and you can apologize to me on Friday. I don't have to apologize, and I'm not. I just said I don't know that. I didn't it's say. Like, literally, there's no chance in any in any branch of government. If that's actually true, there's no chance in any branch of government that the actual majority can dictate. So it it should be. Well, I mean, there is a there is there is a chance if the the majority of states are the. I mean, it is a majority. It's not. It's not a majority of the representatives. It's not a majority of the people. It's like there's you know the House of Representatives is designed to be direct representation, so that there's more you know there's in other words there's fifty uh, reps from, from California, California and seven from, from Utah. Utah. You know what I mean. Yes. The Senate is designed everything every out so that even though there's 40 million people in California, they get two representatives. And even yeah. though there's 500,000 people in Utah, they get the same amount of representatives. So yeah. that's how that's equaled out. Now, with the Electoral College, that's even further uh, imbalance, if you will, for rural communities compared to uh, populace. So now it's two out of three. So yeah. now if you think about it that way, it's three out of three. Well, two and a half out of three. Yeah, it, it's, made so, it's made so these big centers of population don't have more sway, which is exactly what it would be if there were if there were uh, vote by vote in the House, because California has a ton of House representatives. Right. But what I'm saying is that at some point, the majority at some at, in one of the houses in That's one of the, the whole thing that the founders of this country did not want to have is mob rule, which is what they considered the democracy to be. They did not want democracy. Well, it's representative democracy is what we have. And it's one of the problem. one of the branches or half of one of the branches is very representative. And half of the same branch, the legislative branch, is not very representative. And then with Electoral College, it's. It's state by state. So in other words, Utah. So Utah, when when deciding legislation by the Senate, Utah, when deciding the president and by virtue of the president being able to uh, appoint the Supreme Court, Utah, by virtue of that, has more more power. If you think about it, it, more power than California in 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 two and a half out of three branches. And so if then they elect the uh, if, if it's a tie and it's the same principle in the House of Representatives, then it seems to me that it's imbalanced, that it should there should be a balance between, de, you know, un, I think this I think this system works just fine. And I think that uh, at the end of the day, once it's going to benefit one guy one day and somebody else the next day. And that's the beauty of it. So, well, you know, I will say this. There have been five uh, times where the Electoral College has determined a winner who was not the popular uh, vote winner. And yeah. all five of those times, the loser was a Democrat. Yeah, so I'm not sure. And, and, and if, you, if you look at the maps and you see the representation of this country that's red versus blue, 
Yeah, but that's not that's that's a that, that's that's a false argument because what you have to do is you look at the, you look at where the population centers are. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but you're saying it looks red, but really it's like you know a red state like um, North Dakota. There are so far fewer people in North Dakota that when people go, oh, look, you know, there's this big area. It's not area that's voting. It's people. And the election is is about the people. So the the the, rea- the reality of it is, is a great system. Love it. I'm I'm all about it. So I will be perfectly happy if if Joe Biden wins the Electoral College. I'll be very happy about that. But this system is set up great and it works the way that it should. I mean, I, I, for the most part, agree with you. I've had arguments with my kids about the Electoral College. I think there's a, uh, there, there's, a, there's a lot of good arguments to keep it, and I do think that rural representation needs to be focused on. I do agree with the principle that uh, Alexis de Tocqueville uh, popularized in the 1830s when he came over and wrote Democracy in America. He said there is such a thing as a tyranny of the majority, and I agree with that. And I think that and I think our founders wanted to protect against that. So I agree with you in principle, Jeff. There's some yeah. fine tuning. I think we could we could maybe uh, argue about that would probably be uh, a good argument. But my initial thing, assuming think, the other I think, thing, I think, though, what you what I, I feel I can't let you make that argument, though, because I feel what you're saying is that you really like the idea of it, except for the fact that it doesn't benefit the no, no, no. people. No, no, no. I, I I understand that it doesn't. And it's only been five times out of how many elections we've had in this country. 45. That's not that's not. Well, no, it's been a lot more than that. that. Right. You're right. You're right. So I'm waiting for your apology. Well, hold on. I can do the math here. 1776. That's so now that's first of all, first the first election wasn't 1776. So just stop there. Don't 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 delve into history. You are playing on a ball field. You can't play. <laughs> All right. I'll wait for your, your, your apology for saying 1776 since we didn't have our first uh, You're right. election until 1792. 1788, I believe. 88, yeah, 8892, yeah, 96. So 1788. All right. My bad. At, at, at any rate, assuming the representatives, uh, the, my original point was that if they were to pick <laughs> Joe Biden and the Senate were to pick Donald Trump, how phenomenal would that be? Because that did happen. In 1800, yeah, it, yeah, the, the house had to determine, and and it was the last time that ever happened. Correct, John? It's the last yeah. time that yeah. happened. It was in 1800. Yep. So then, of course, the next the next question, if it's an administration of Joe Biden and Donald Trump, which is probably the God saying, "Get the get the f along, people. Can you please yeah. learn to get along? How long until Trump's president again? Then, if that happens." Well, the thing is, is the problem is, is that he will probably have to be in some sort of duel against an old rival like Aaron Burr was. And that old that I, I think it's Jeb Bush. And I think he shoots him on Fifth Avenue, not only doing what Aaron Burr did, but then proving his initial point that he could shoot someone because because Aaron Burr, after the duel, continued to be vice president. Yeah, I know. I know. It's so it's great. Just unbelievable. People who think our, what we're going through now is it's so much better than it's so much more fun than they're shooting each other and remaining. You know, didn't 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 Andrew Jackson murder like 35 people at his inauguration? I mean, I just it just was 
you know, I come think, on. I think Trump people. shooting Jeb Bush in a duel on Fifth Avenue would be, you know, it'd be like, okay, full circle. Full circle, we're here. Yeah. Uh, but, I think uh, it but would it, be better if it was Romney and Trump. Then there could be some real... Ooh, that might be a bad one. That duel. He'd play up the whole, oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm a Mormon, I can't. Now, take the gun. Take the gun, Mitt. And he's going to throw away his shot. He I might. am the M-I-T-T-R-O-M. <laughs> he's, so, that's not a that's good pretty- matchup for Trump, though, because I think Jeb Bush is a better matchup. Because if you're going to and, and, and clearly it needs to be done with uh, flintlocks. And I mean, just just era 1800 circa 1800. Uh, Mitt's kind of kind of a skinny guy. You know, you, you, you need a bigger target. Jeb would be a much better target if you're, if you you're, you're going to be in a duel. But, but in I a duel. think that- that Mitt, is, I think Jeb is uh, significantly more Second Amendment friendly than Mitt. So I think that Jeb probably has fired a weapon a few more times. So yeah, but I mean, I'm I'm giving them a circa. I'm giving them a, an 1800. They've never fired one. <laughs> It'd take. It would be a multi uh, a, a multi episode series of them trying to figure out how to load the damn thing. So no, you turn don't it have into a reality. Weapon in a duel. It's handed to you by a person who has loaded it for you. Yeah, but you think the people around nobody around any of these guys is loaded. Who, who's who's Trump going to pick? Jared? Yeah, he's the Kushner doesn't know how to load a flintlock. You got to you got to find somebody. You know, maybe one of those Dick militia Cheney. guys. Uh, uh, Dick Cheney definitely knows how to do it, but I don't think he's around anymore. Carl Rove might friggin', know how. He'd shoot friggin' no. Dick Cheney's still alive. He's still Are you alive. kidding me? He's not he's not in this. He's not around. No. Anymore. He's his he's head's been out. detached and it's part of some nuclear reactor somewhere. He's coming back. He's going to take over at some point. <laughs> okay. Just, so did you just, do the research on on who picks the president if it's tied, John? Yeah, you know, I misunderstood what Jeff was saying. No, I thought you were saying it went back to state legislatures, but you're saying each no, no, no. state in, in the in the House of Representatives gets one vote. Yeah, that is yeah. true. That's how. It works. So it's 26 to 24. So they yeah. they it would still be Donald and Trump. It, it may it may be different at the end of this re- election too, but it's the remaining. Uh, it's the remain. It's the House that is going on until January. So none of the new right. House. It's not the new. It's not the new. Uh, yeah, it has to be the the, the one before. So right. the one. Currently, yeah, the yeah. one that we have. All right, well, there it is. And who knows, Friday, we may know more, we may know less. We may... You know, What's Friday, that? you know, you know, this weekend, Mark, you're you're staying at my house. Remember? I do know that. And, and take care. So I won't be here for show. I won't be here for show on Friday. We're leaving Friday and not, morning. And neither will Jeff. All right, so then there's no show on Friday. Here's the Monday thing. So I'm gonna we're gonna work this out actually on the air for everybody. Since Mark, we had I don't actually have a paying job that I'm gonna be going to, but I will be back in town Monday a little bit later in the afternoon. So I was gonna see if we could just maybe do a later show on Monday. Great. If if that's good with everybody, we can figure. So now people listening will know that on Monday we're gonna have a later show, and now we can figure out what time that show would be. And no show on Friday. Well, I'm not going to be here. Jeff's not going to be here. You're more than likely happy. If you want to go on Facebook Live and just yammer on about the how bad you feel about the poor 49ers with, you know, 700 injuries and still a 500 team, for God's sake. Glass is half. Well, yeah, they, pay the, they play the Packers tomorrow night. They're, they're in some sort of COVID uh, protocol right now. And here we go. And uh, following <laughs> that, they play, I believe, the Saints. It's all, all going to be. Just Can you just keep that running so on yeah. Friday, Mark, and just chime just in and it just runs across the bottom of the – I think we're going to probably start maybe 1970 with John Brody, and okay. we'll go from there. And I think we'll also start uh, with the Giants 
Uh, we'll, we'll throw a nod to the '60s Giants, where they had five Hall of Famers and couldn't win a couldn't win a World Series, only went to one. Mm-hmm. And then we'll start in the 1971 season uh, with Chris Spire and everything else. I think you'll enjoy it. It's, it's kind of a semi deep dive. I'm a Actually, little upset not you're not going to be starting with R.C. Owens and Y.A. Tittle, but okay. Or Hugh McElhaney. Bob St. Clair, Hugh McElhaney, all those old Woody Peoples. I know like all these old uh, San Francisco 49ers, none of whom did I ever see play. And Hugh McElhaney, it's interesting because I started watching that O.J. Made in America, and the thing they talked about was when he was growing up in San Francisco because, mm-hmm. you know, poor, poor, poor kids, they would go to the stadium yeah, Keysar. And they, uh, to Keysar Stadium, and they would uh, they would literally go to people if they had any extra tickets, and they'd be little kids and say, "I really want to see, I really want to see, Mister, can you? I want to see Hugh McElhaney play." And he, and he was throwing <laughs> that name out because Hugh McElhaney in the fifties, because I think OJ was born in forty seven. Yeah. you know, in the fifties, he was the guy. And then he, he'd get a ticket from them. Someone would be generous and give him a ticket, and then he'd go to the other side of the stadium and sell it. So uh, 11 Thursday night games with a central or Eastern time zone team going West. Never won ever. Wow. So, wow. so yeah, put your money yeah. on. No, I'm yeah. It's green Bay all the way. It's green. It's 2020 though. Yeah, it's it true. is. Anything could happen. You're right. <laughs> My God, your mom, your mom mentioning, mentioning Leo Namalini now. Yeah. Good old Leo Namalini. These are old him? school. Oh yeah. yeah. Hall of Famer. I think he came he to the club at one point in time. Really? He, I, I had, Aaron Burr. he, he might, he, yeah, he, he was one of the electors. He went Jefferson. Kind of a small government guy. Versus Burr. I mean, what, what, what is, what, what do you stand for? That's the question. Yeah. What you don't do you know if he's small or large government, Aaron Burr. You just, he'd have done uh, very well today. Aaron Burr? Yeah, yeah, he'd have done very well today. Sure. Overplayed sure. his hand a little bit. Burr. Mm. All right. Well, that does it for us on this uh, post-election show where we still don't know who's going to be the next president <laughs> of the United States. Uh, but uh, it is very close. We know the country's essentially divided right down the middle. Uh, so there it is. You know what's crazy before you end it? Uh, we might not know Monday. We might. We, it seems like everybody. I mean, there might be some uh, some uh, legal maneuvering. Trump's already out there. I for a recount in Wisconsin, uh, which was called for Biden while we were on the air. But uh, it seems like the counting. They just let the counting go forward. The, the states are saying by Friday. Uh, Friday. It's more than likely going to be Friday. Now, some of the states where you, the uh, postmark just has to be Election Day. You know, depending on how long the mail comes, there might be a little bit of it doesn't seem like they think that's going to have much of an effect. It's but, North uh, looks Carolina, like- which if that's the one it's coming down to, uh, Biden will most likely win. Yeah, that was leaning Trump the last time I looked, though. It, it all changes. I, know, I fell asleep I, early last night. Uh, I, yeah. Normally, I just stick with it. But by, I know by early, like one o'clock in the morning, I I woke myself up snoring in the chair in front of the TV. So eh, I just I just. That's, well, election nights are generally one of my favorite things, but it was just, uh, it, it was getting, last night it was just like ping pong in my head. And I just couldn't yeah. deal with it any longer. It was, it, was a, it was a difficult one to watch. I think really the fact that we knew we weren't going to know made it more difficult to watch. Yeah. It was. It was really tough. I think both sides was like, ah, golly, Moses. We have no idea. And, and you're right, Jeff. I mean, the Supreme Court came down with three of those cases. They told Wisconsin they have to receive the, the, the ballots by election day. They gave Pennsylvania three days, uh, which is um, why I guess it's Friday, John. 
and maybe it was indefinite. Is that what you're saying, Jeff, about North Carolina, or is that 12, still up in the air? 12, 12 days. I think oh, it's they've the, got 12. Actually, maybe it's nine, and it's the 12th. Nine part days, of, 12th. Part of one of the reasons is North Carolina is a big military state. They have a lot of military bases, and they gave, uh, from what I understand, they gave extra time because they have a lot of people overseas who are uh, voting in North Carolina elections. So that makes a great deal of sense, I think. <laughs> I think I think we would all like to see a little more continuity with how the, the votes are counted, That's but that's a thing for a different election. So, so <laughs> Hopefully we'll know by Friday. I won't be here. I'm going to St. Augustine for the weekend. Good man. Good man. Just enjoy the ocean. Enjoy the bed and breakfast. Enjoy the plethora of alcohol and uh, the R&R with, with your lovely wife. Had one drink last night, by the way. I was reading everybody. Everybody was just gorging on wine and Halloween candy. And uh, I, I went the other direction. Made uh, homemade clam chowder, which there's a bunch of it in the fridge, Mark. So if you want to eat Beautiful. while you're here, Can't there wait. you go. And I had one bourbon and water and then just fell asleep sitting up because I'm old. Yeah, because I think I got up at like five in the morning because my internal clock with this whole uh, fall back thing. I'm still confused as to what time it is, what day it is, All how right. old I am. That confusion, my, by the way, will my only middle, increase. I don't even know my middle name from anymore. Here. The confusion yes. will only increase from here. For Jeff, John, I'm Mark. You've been listening to After Further Review. We'll see you again on Monday, a little bit later in the afternoon. And I misread Lenny's thing. It says apparently the Packers are going to lose. You're right. That's what I I couldn't. Yeah, Yeah. when you were saying it. I missed it. Yep. I missed it as well. Bank bank on it. Packers lose. We will see to a massively depleted 49er team. All right. Thank you very much, folks. And stay safe out there. We'll see you soon.